Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Huge news recently as Amazon workers in Staten Island recently voted to unionize, becoming the first Amazon employees ever to successfully organize. Now, this is the latest in a series of positive developments over the last couple of years for organized labor, which seems to be on the rise for the first time in a long time. We wanted to talk about this vote to unionize and what it could mean going forward. So we caught up with Dr. Laura Bucci, assistant professor of political science at St. Joseph's University. So before we kind of break this down and look at it big picture, I've just got a really simple question to me as a layman. This Staten Island Amazon facility deciding to unionize seems like a really, really big deal. Am I overstating? No, it's a huge deal. I mean, this is a this is a big deal because Amazon's major company employs a lot of people. This is 8,000 workers in Staten Island. So it's a big chunk of people. And it's also incredibly difficult to organize factory workers, right? There's a huge failure rate in a lot of these sort of constituencies. And for Amazon in particular, they've spent a ton of money on this campaign. So it's a big win for their their union. And it seems to me I don't know when the previous vote was, but there was that vote in Alabama and it seemed like there was a lot of attention paid to that and the vote failed. I know they're doing it again as we're recording this, but uh, I I feel like this Staten Island, I don't want to say I did hear a little bit about it, but it seems like this one kind of caught people by surprise and maybe it was because the one in Alabama failed. So a lot of the people kind of on the periphery thought, ah, well, you know, it is what it is. So when you're organizing a union, there's a lot of cards that are sort of stacked against you throughout this process, right? So there's there tends to be a lot of employer involvement within the um, the floor itself, right? So there's posters or there's conversations that are had. There are what are called kind of captive audience meetings where paid consultants come in and essentially tell you that it's usually phrased as like a third party is coming to control your workplace, which they mean a union is coming to kind of control your workplace. Um, and there's just a ton of misinformation that of what, what a unionized workspace would do, right? So whether or not it's, you know, got a lower wages, which is doesn't happen, but, you know, that's the logic or it's going to distance you from management or it's going to make the relationship in the workplace more tense. Um, all of these kinds of ideas get, it's a sort of similar playbook across uni- organizing campaigns, but they tend to be really successful primarily because they're repeated over and over again. And people don't always have all the information to really kind of weigh those claims equally. Um, Bessemer was a, a really interesting case. I'm, I'm hopeful for their, uh, for their revote. But there's a um, an interesting sort of dimension to what's happening down there where it was really hard to organize as a union, like outside of work, primarily because as you were catching people off shift, you couldn't like wait in a location, um, right? And so there wasn't like a place where you could talk to people that wasn't kind of under supervision somewhat at least, right? And so it was this kind of complicated endeavor of like trying to figure out how to talk and give information, how to get people on board. Um, Once people were on board, how to kind of get them 
to stay committed and stay in, to stay in their job. All of these things like have to maintain over time if you want the the vote to be successful. And just not a lot are because there's a lot of conditions that have to kind of fall into the right position over time. And how much with regards to Staten Island, it seems to me that it's even more impressive because this was not the Teamsters trying to organize. This was not AFLCI. This was not an already established union trying to bring this group under its wing. They basically they're creating a union from scratch. Am I am I wrong? Sort of. So 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 a way to do this could be like a way a lot of other groups do it is that you affiliate under a kind of known union. They give you some kind of organizational strength, right? That they they they've done this before. They know the steps. They know what the kind of counter arguments usually are. They know kind of uh, how consultants work. They know who the consultants are, kind of what their general strategy is. What what ALU did was a little bit different in that they sort of did it themselves. So that kind of like third party um, argument that gets used a lot in kind of union busting tactics didn't really have like any merit because it was this situation where like I work here. Like I, I work, right? So who is this third party? Like I work next to you sort of on the floor. Um, and so it was kind of this like interpersonal, uh, relational union building that was really sort of ground up, which is a different organizing strategy than a lot of other unions have used. It's interesting. And it's like a, a I don't know how well it'll work in other cases. I don't know. Um, I don't know that it works better or worse than than other models, but it's an interesting kind of way to do this. And it seems the the gentleman that was at the forefront, I think his name was Chris Smalls, was mm-hmm. an Amazon employee who mm-hmm. had been fired for trying to organize the union. Uh, and that would seem almost elevates him to mythic status yeah. in this type of situation. So, I mean, Amazon did a bunch of things here that are like not helpful to their <laughs> to their goal to seem relatable. One is that they're sort of Amazon, right? They're kind of like classic supervillain kind of status and a lot of you know there's a lot of knowledge of like how workplace conditions are there and how demanding and physical and like um uh, difficult it can be to work there um they also so he gets so chris smalls gets fired um allegedly for uh violating covid protocols so he he violated social distancing um right so the idea is what probably happened. He's talking to someone pretty closely, (laughs) maybe about something important. um, And then is fired for some other reason. There's all this other evidence that he was, he was called inarticulate and not very smart. Right. So that kind of gives this like credence to him as like, it's like, you know, it seemed racist. It seemed sort of like, like underestimating and it kind of built this level of support. I also think like Jeff Bezos going to space did not help things. Right. So the idea that you just had like an extra billion dollars to just like finance a a shuttle into the, you know, into space. It does make it seem like you could have paid us a little bit more if you were just out taking intergalactic trips or or, I mean, whatever you're going to call it. Um, And so I think that helped there, too. Right. That there were uh, there were quite a few things here that were both like good organizing, but also like good organizing met with kind of the worst version of a response, right? That sort of gathered people together, right? That there was a thing that they could be gathered into, but all of the steps that Amazon took along the way kind of read as really flat and really false. Um, 
And so that that helped to kind of build a coalition that were stronger in support than than in other drives. What could we see? Do you expect Amazon to work with this? Uh, I think a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of people, oh, well, if this shop unionizes, they're just going to shut the plant down. I don't think that's realistic. It's if you're going to maintain the Amazon, you know, game plan of Mm -hmm. quick delivery and stuff like that. Uh, So how do you expect Amazon? Do you expect them to come to the table in good faith? Could we see nonsense? Like, uh, what do we know? I mean, you always see a little bit of nonsense. It's a, it's a, I think a question, right. That like, is it better or worse than it would have been otherwise? Right. So I don't think they're going to relocate at least not in a way that they weren't already planning to do. Right. That like a lot of this stuff could have happened anyway. Um, Right. Sort of union or no. I do think that there is, you know, there is a chance that like negotiations won't necessarily be in the best of faith. But there also is a chance it could work, right? That um, better sort of something in there in place to kind of readjust um, or re- or alter that kind of power conversation, right? Just sort of shift the direction we're moving in. Um, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's a, it's brand new. So I know that Amazon spent a lot of money trying to stop this. So my suspicion is that they're not going to just stop spending money here, right? It's a clear thing. They've invested a lot of time and a lot of effort into sort of trying to not make happen. So my guess would be to try to kind of limit like bargaining power here. But this is a huge, a huge step for workers and a huge um, sort of push in that direction towards getting a better contract or getting a fairer contract or better working conditions. Isn't there a certain, you talk about the money they've poured in millions of dollars and you talk about, they bring these third party consultants in and mm-hmm. does it, isn't there a cost benefit analysis where at a certain point, even if you loathe the idea of the union for whatever reason, that it just makes sense to deal with them and in good faith and not just for the money you don't have to spend fighting it anymore, but the good PR you'll get if you, and not even good PR, but no more bad PR. You won't be sure. portrayed as the cartoon villain, you know, and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, it, doesn't that in normal situations, don't you hit a point like that? I mean, I think that, I think that definitely, ha- like, that exists somewhere too. I mean, there's also like, happier employees do better work for you, right? Like, there's a, there's a, you know, your employee, your employees don't have to like work three jobs to, um, you know, sort of afford their life in New York, which is super expensive, right? So um, it's a it's a step in the direction towards like getting a workforce that actually wants to do work there and and feels like it can. Um, and that's a good thing for the company itself, right? That there's there's a value to that too. Um, whether or not it's recognized immediately or in, even in the long run is like still kind of a question, right? That there's, there's this still outstanding idea that like, yeah, it might cost you a bunch of money, but you might see it as worth it in the long run or able to kind of, if it's difficult here, it might, you know, make other people more hesitant elsewhere to kind of push in a similar direction. Um, right. They're all kind of like reinforce each other in different ways. I'm not, Jeff Bezos has not asked me to weigh in on what (laughs) I think. (laughs) But it is, it is interesting. It just, 
there just seems to be so much stuff because you've read stories. We've all read stories of the turnover and how they'll, you know, after three, I've read stuff where I think it's after three years, a lot of times they'll push people out so that they don't, you know, move higher up and it's really hard to, to move up. But to your point about people being happy, if you get a good portion of your employee base that feels valued and especially in a job where the getting the job done correctly quickly is so vital to the mission statement, basically of what the company is trying to do. I mean, I don't know, like I said, I'm, I'm just on the outside here, but it just seems like you hit a point where like, you know what, just let's figure it out and get past it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, these are, these are hard repetitive jobs, right. That, that are physically very demanding and can grind you down. Um, And so it's like, why, how do you get people to continue in those jobs if those are jobs we need done? Right. So, you know, it's, it, it can't be you moving at the fastest pace you've ever moved in your entire life for the rest of your life. Right. That's not a, that's not a viable career for most of us. Um, Cause you, your body can't do it. One of the things that's interesting, because I've had a lot of conversation because this is where I really honest to goodness feel like this is the first time in my adult life where I feel like organized labor is actually on the upswing where it's mm-hmm. not, you know, every article isn't about how union participation is at the lowest it's been in a generation, which it's felt like for years. Um, and for any kind of a movement, you got to have momentum. And we had seen with Starbucks, certain Starbucks stores organizing, uh, some other already established unions, but, you know, got some gains and got some contracts that were really above what people thought. And now you throw this in, like, I feel like we are really now starting to see something fundamentally shift in American society a little bit. Am I overstating? I think a lot of things are happening right now that are are kind of leading to people sort of wanting to unionize kind of more than they ever have, right? That this is kind of something where the costs that you might have cared about before don't seem as real or don't seem as kind of big as they maybe once did. Um, I think there is some of this that's momentum, right? So seeing sort of uh, Starbucks workers unionize or grad students unionize or faculties unionize or uh, the Amazon union or, or the, you know, New York times guild or like all of these, all of these groups of people coming together. Um, some of it is seeing success of, of other people. I think some of it too is kind of recognizing that the economy has been so bad for a lot of us and that like, things aren't working, right? That like COVID people were working harder than they've ever worked before. And like nothing, like nothing was happening. So we're thinking Amazon, right? I'm like grinding it out, getting everything sorted, get everything boxed up. Demand is way up. My pay is, you know, a dollar more, right? It's not like I'm, I'm struggling. Um, And meanwhile, Amazon's making sort of more money than I will ever like dream of in a million years. And so I think for a lot of people sort of recognizing that like, it just wasn't going to change, like it's not going to change unless you sort of change it, um, was a real like awakening that sort of happened for a lot of folks as they were looking at society kind of together, Um, right? That, That it was a moment where you were like, I could think this is me, but I don't think it's me because everyone I know is struggling too. So like something is going on in a way that like you might have bought into ideas that like maybe you just should work harder or get a second job or 
uh, sort of invest smarter, do something kind of different with your life, there wasn't that much else you could have done. Um, And so I think for a lot of people that kind of second, like, that like, oh, it's not just going to happen. Like it's like things aren't just going to improve. You sort of have to improve them and improving them is really hard. Was a, was kind of a, a narrative that got built and reinforced over time. Need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Laura Bucci right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth. Our guest is Dr. Laura Bucci of St. Joseph's University. I'm curious at this point now, now that they've won the vote, how much pressure do you feel is on the Staten Island Union? Because it was the David Goliath thing. And now I don't want to say that Amazon's the underdog. That's not what I'm trying to say. But now all eyes are on you and how you handle this moment and what you bargain for and what you get could really set a trend. Is there a lot of pressure on these folks? I think there's a lot of pressure anyway. I think that as people sort of go into this idea, they're 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 trying to do the best they can for other workers, right? They're trying to kind of get the best contracts, get the best sort of working conditions they can for other people they're working with. Um, and so I think there's like people take this really personally and try to get sort of what they can done done. I do think everyone is sort of watching them right now. Um, which it's easier if the expectation is that you're going to try your best and and it might work out right. You you know, you might pull off an upset and it might be a a thing, but now you have to be like the processing kind of political science is like you become institutionalized, right? You have to like manage and govern and do all the things, um, which is not sexy work. (laughs) Like it's not, you know, it's not organizing, which is, um, it's a different sort of skill set. So you're kind of simultaneously building and getting people to join and feeding that sort of pipeline. But you're also doing other stuff with with just like managing. Um, I don't mean like, like not like management, but like day to day tasks. Um, right. You have to like deal with like un, unfair terminations. You have to deal with like, how do I file paperwork? How do I do all of these things? Which is a it's a harder second step. Um, and so it's just like a it's it's more tasks, um, which is which is good and important and and will do a lot of work, but it's it's hard, right? It's a hard thing to kind of manage and think about. Big picture, what are you looking for? Because we talked about momentum, and this is a big, you know, this is like the engine got an upgrade. Yeah. Are there other things you're looking for? Other Amazon you know, uh, plants that we could see this or are there other big companies that have kept the union at bay that all of a sudden we could see it opening here? So, I mean, I think, I think the thing to consider, so Amazon unionizes in Staten Island, which is in New York, which has the highest unionization rate of any state, right? So, so if union knowledge is related to knowing people in unions, knowing how unions function, then like New York has kind of your best shot right because because there are a lot of union members there's um a lot of information out there and there's a lot of history there right so so like you know people that are unionized you know like they didn't lose their job right like it wasn't you know you know that it worked out okay um i think what would be really interesting is seeing sort of what happens again on the second vote in alabama again like i don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna work but i think like on the kind of momentum of this there might be more present there than before 
I would also say that there's a bunch of uh, a Starbucks roastery in New York also just unionized. So I would start to look for bleed over maybe in New York specifically, or maybe in sort of surrounding states at similar types of kind of like manufacturing adjacent or like, or packing sort of work um, or service work, right? We're seeing a ton of movement in sort of unionization of, of service workers, most of whom are not in sort of occupational categories where they would have been unionized in the past. Um, so it's this moment that like people are learning that other occupations can also unionize, right? So I'm a, I'm a professor, right? A lot of professors are unionizing right now at different, different universities. But most faculty members aren't used to thinking of themselves as kind of workers in part of a bargaining unit. So it's a it's a shift in how you classify who works for an organization and who um, who should have the right to kind of collectively bargain here. Um, and so I think what I'm expecting going forward is to see maybe a shift in how people think about themselves as employees. Um, how related do people see themselves to Amazon workers, right? The idea here is like, if you see yourself in those kinds of occupations or you see yourself as like someone who's trying to, to, you know, sort of work really hard and not really get as far as you maybe want to, that that might sort of shift your opinion about whether things can change. Um, I would also say I'm on the lookout for what Amazon's next steps are on this. Not that I think that Amazon is... Uh, like out there plotting, but I do think that, that there is some sort of, there's steps that they could take, not at this particular union really, but, but generally, so do they get involved in sort of politics more broadly, like with increased lobbying here, or do they spend more money on uh, electoral races, right? To run new candidates, to get new law, or do they, uh, you know, try to change the composition of city government, right? Of New York, um, right. All of those things are possible. I don't know if they're going to do any of them. I don't know that they're going to do any of them more than they already are. Right? So it's a it's kind of an up in the air question, but that's less a union question and more a kind of business and politics question. Um, but it would still affect like kind of the the operating environment that the Staten Island Union is going to have. And my final question, what did you, if anything, take from the uh, at the political level? politicians the the feedback the way this was championed me just anecdotally not based on anything i thought i would see more democratic politicians yeah. senators member of the house really champion this than i saw because unions for the most part i think are associated with the democratic party uh i didn't see as much of that am i misreading it or is it kind yeah. of a cautious or maybe waiting and seeing so marty walsh i think said something secretary of labor um, which, which isn't surprising to me. Um, so that, I mean, that makes sense given who he is and given, given kind of Boston politics and, and all of that. Um, but I didn't see that much either. It also came at kind of a weird moment, right? So it's like Friday afternoon. Um, right. So, or was it Thursday afternoon? One or the other, it was like sort of late in the day on like kind of a, you know, a week where we weren't talking all that much about domestic politics because so much is happening with everything else. Um, never a dull week, never a dull week. <laughs> um, and so that might be it too. I didn't see a ton either. I wasn't looking in particular for, for what everyone was saying. Um, but usually my opinion on a lot of this is that you get a lot of kind of really passing um, like acknowledgement where it's like, 
here's a thing we did. Congratulations. Which isn't really like substantive. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like an acknowledgement. Checking um, a box. Yeah. I mean, it seems like very sort of like, it doesn't do much mm-hmm. in terms of like moving a conversation forward, but it's, it's nice to read. Um, so I didn't see a ton of that, but also like I tend to glaze over when I look at it e- either way. <laughs> That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.